in the New Testament lesson from Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 through 37. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? The word of our God, for which we give thanks. The end of the lesson? Yeah, just that one bit. See, I told you it was a hard one. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs> Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Alleluia. Amen. Like most evenings after their supper, after the kids were tucked into their tents, that company of disciples would gather around the fire to talk over the events of the day. That one evening, Mary left them to it, making her way by feel into the shadows, knowing, as only a mother can know, that he would be sitting there alone. Hey. She said, hey, mom, you kind of went off back there, you know. Her eyes adjusted and she could see the tension in his shoulders. He shrugged. Sometimes it's hard not to, he acknowledged. I mean, do they see people? The need, the hunger, the shame. There is so much brokenness. How do they not notice? How does it not affect them? Sometimes I look at their faces, Simon and James and Andrew, and they're not looking at the people. They're looking at me. They're waiting for the miracles. That's all that matters to them. They want the healing without ever having to see the hurt. Of course they do, Mary nodded. Seeing other people suffering is hard to do, and they've never really had to. The world as it is hasn't always been kind to them, but it hasn't been vicious in the way that so many others have known it. Simon and Andrew and John haven't been beaten down by this world the way that we see in the people that we meet in every village who are so desperate for healing. She settled herself on the ground beside him, 
Think about Simon, she went on. Just take him as an example. Think about how much of his sense of self is wrapped up in being a good provider to his family and having been able to build them a nice house and get them nice clothes and serve them good food. To him, being a man, being a father, being a husband is all about being able to provide in material ways because all his life, that's what people have told him would make him enough would make him good, would make him worthy. There is nothing wrong with feeding and sheltering one's family, of course, but that is not where his worth is truly rooted, no matter how often he has heard that. That's the message that the world gives us, that we're only conditionally worthy. We're only good enough if we follow the rules of the world. And Simon cannot see how much that hurts him because he can follow the rules. He can set aside the fear at what might happen if he couldn't provide. He can be the person that he thinks he needs to be in order to receive love and respect. And so he hears you say that he is worthy just as he is, but that's not very different from what the world tells him. So to Simon, the healing that your words provide is a bandage on a paper cut, not the suturing of an open wound. He let out a long, frustrated sigh. Yeah. To him, to a lot of them, suffering seems a grand and glorious adventure because it's a choice that they get to make. They know that they can go back to their lives when they want to. And so they can't imagine what it is to live without that escape hatch. They walk into the crowds of people desperate for healing, who cannot escape their illnesses, who cannot escape their demons, who cannot escape the shame and dehumanization that the world inflicts constantly. James and John and Andrew and Simon, they walk into these villages as tourists as people who do not have to live that reality. And they look at the lives that they cannot understand and they see broken people whom they feel like they can fix. They don't see a broken world that has damaged people who are truly just like them. So many of these people, he said, gesturing back to the fire, to the main camp, they think they left everything to follow me. They thought that they gave up their whole lives. Couldn't each and every one of them go back if they wanted to? They didn't leave their ideas, the world's ideas of what makes a person good or worthy or lovable. They didn't leave their belief in conditional love and conditional worthiness. If you just work hard enough, if you just make enough money, if you're skinny enough, if you talk right, if you look right, if you pray right. They still carry so much of their old lives, so much of the world held so tight that they think it is a part of themselves. And do you hear them over there, Mom? Arguing now about how to suffer right? How to be a good enough martyr? Even this is a competition, a contest to see who is best, who is worthy of all of this. I just don't know how to get through to them. They just can't imagine 
that all of this doesn't end in some great worldly victory. Mary chuckled sympathetically and stroked her son's curls, choosing not to see him rolling his eyes as she did so. No, she agreed. They don't see it. But then, they didn't have your parents. At this, even he had to laugh. And his mother continued. Most of these people were raised to believe that the Messiah would bring an earthly victory, would conquer the foe of the day, whether it was Assyria or Babylon or Rome, would turn Israel into a powerful kingdom with unstoppable armies. And you're here telling them that that's not the way it works. But who is going to want to hear that the enemies that you are here to fight are the ones that we all carry inside our own heads? He nodded and turned towards her for the first time. You're right, but it isn't just those. I mean, you talked about Simon and his belief that in order to be a good man, he needs to be able to provide. But that's not just in his head. The people who sold him the building materials for his house, they said it to him. The people who sold him the material for his wife's clothes, they said it to him too. And honestly, the people who told his wife that she had to lose weight to be worthy of those new clothes... I mean, do you remember how uncomfortable she would keep herself because someone told her that that was the only way to be loved? Those are the people who want us to stop, Mom. It's not the Romans, although I suspect they're not happy with us either. But really, it's the people who make their living off of those who believe that they aren't good enough as they are. The people who want all of this to stop they're the ones who gain power and wealth by convincing all of us that we're only worthy if we're productive and attractive and healthy. Those are the people who are going to come for my head inevitably. The ones who have a vested interest in the world being broken and cruel, full of fear and competition. Those are the ones who grumbled when we fed thousands with what we already had. Because they would have made those same people fight over scraps doled out sparingly from a hoard kept for their own use. Those are the ones who would rather pass judgment and set people against each other than to risk engaging with the suffering of their neighbors. To risk seeing the other as worthy and beloved and to therefore have to feel their suffering with them. Feel their hunger and feel their shame. He threw up his hands in despair. How can I ever make people like that understand when I can't even get this lot to see what it is they signed up to do? Well, said Mary dryly, honestly, the bit about the cross was just snarky. Yeah, he acknowledged. I'll give you that one. I probably shouldn't have used the example of Roman punishment to convince them that we're not fighting Rome, huh? No. She paused, considering. But the image of a humiliating, rather than a glorious death. Maybe that will get them thinking. That's my mom, he chuckled. Ever the optimist. 
He laughed for a moment, but grew serious again. Sometimes I wish it didn't have to be like this. I know how it's going to end, Mom. And I know it's going to hurt you. And you know I don't want that to happen. I know, she said, caught off guard, and hoping that he didn't hear her voice tremble. But I knew when you were an infant that this would be a hard road. I knew when you were a child and you'd come home without your sandals because you'd met someone who needed them more than you did. Or you'd eat a huge dinner because you'd shared your lunch with someone who was hungry. I knew when you'd cry in my arms before bed every night at the injustices of this world, and when you'd get angry at my lullaby praising God because you wanted the haughty pulled from their thrones right now and not later, because you couldn't understand why it was taking so long for the hungry to be filled with good things. You suffer because your neighbors are suffering, and their pain breaks your heart. You've always been that way. And you will suffer because you want to do something about it, she added, her voice getting stronger. And that will make a lot of people very uncomfortable and fearful and angry. But when your heart is broken, you can seek justice or you can become bitter. And it would hurt me far worse if you simply became bitter. Or more than that, if you didn't care at all. I don't know how to get people to care, he whispered. When caring hurts so much. When caring means risking so much. I truly want them all. Andrew and James and John and Simon. I want them to walk into the village tomorrow and really Feel the pain of those who scarcely dare to hope and yet who come out to see us anyway. I want my disciples to feel not that these are people who will prove our glory. I want them to see the people not as the objects of our ministry, but as the subjects who have often been denied their own stories. I want these people who follow me to feel angry that so many have had to battle shame and marginalization, even just to approach us. I want them to feel angry at a world that will break what God has made and call a person worthless. But how do I make a Simon, a John, look beyond the beliefs that they don't even know they have, the worldviews that have been so normal to them all of their lives? How do I explain that love can feel like suffering, but that suffering is a beginning and not an end? How can I tell them that the compassion that brings about an entirely new world will first engender violent resistance because those who upset the balance of power and claim humanity for the dehumanized and proclaim that God's love is not conditional, has never been conditional, those are the people who have been lynched in every single generation. How do I tell them that no matter what this world does to us, the new life that begins in our love cannot be killed? I will be killed. Not because it's God's plan for me, as they seem to think, but because humanity will insist upon it. 
because it is easier to hang from a tree the one who seeks freedom than to relinquish one's sense of power over them. It is easier to shoot the messenger than to be changed by the message. I don't want them to suffer. I don't want you to suffer, Mom. But I need them to understand. And I don't know how to tell them. Mary smiled at her son, who had been saying these same words since he was five. Even when they drive you crazy, you love them, she said. And they will suffer, whether you intend it or not. They will suffer in their grief for you. And at that point, some will understand, and they will seek justice. And some will become bitter and fall away. That is what it is to be human. You can speak the truth, but they must be willing to hear it. You can show them the grief of this world, but they must be willing to bear it. You can love them, but they must be willing to receive it and to love in return, even if it means letting go of everything that they thought they knew, even if it means losing everything that they thought they needed in this life. You can do what humans can do. Indeed, you can probably do as much as God can do. You can give them a choice each and every day to seek earthly glory or to work for the healing of creation, to fight the Roman occupiers or to fight their own fears and judgment, to love comfort or to love justice. You can remind them that these choices are theirs by grace forever. and Nothing can ever make them unworthy. But ultimately, you can hold up your end of the relationship and hope that they meet you halfway. They're gonna get it wrong, he sighed. Yes, they are, she agreed, rising. You coming back? The fire's still warm and it's getting chilly over here. He smiled and he took her hand. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Thanks be to God. Amen.